Heartache. I'm your host, Kendall Ann Combs. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I sat down with Darlene Lancer, and she is an expert in narcissism and in codependency. And she just wrote a book called Dating, Loving, and Leaving a Narcissist, Essentials Tools for Improving or Leaving Narcissistic and Abusive Relationships. We chat all about how if you're going to stay in a relationship with a narcissist, what you have to do. If you're going to leave your, a narcissist you might be in a relationship with, um, the best ways to do that. And uh, if her name sounds familiar, it's because this is her second time on the show and we, we love having her here. She does such a great job. So coming right up, Darlene Lancer. I'm back with Darlene Lancer. Hey, Darlene, how are you? I'm just really good today and looking forward to talking about narcissism and codependence. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming back to the show. I'm so happy to have you back on. Thank you. So you are really an expert in narcissists and codependency, and you just came out with a book, um, and it's getting really, really great reviews. So congratulations on that. It's called Dating, Loving, and Leaving a Narcissist, Essential Tools for Improving or Leaving Narcissistic and Abusive Relationships. And you were telling me before, it's not just like a regular book. It has a workbook in it too. The whole book is uh, like a workbook. There's exercises there's about, you know, I don't know, 21 or 22 exercises that all through in every chapter, because it's really a book about transformation. Okay. It's not just about um, blaming the narcissist. There are a lot uh-huh. of books and blogs that just do that. And what I find is a lot of people call me, they, they love their partner mm-hmm. or their family member that's a narcissist, and they want to know, you know, how to make the relationship better. Yeah. Oh, so deal with that person. Or yeah. even leave in some cases, but yeah. So they need help with what they can do. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, I think, misconceptions about what a narcissist is. And in fact, the first three chapters of your book kind of go over what is a narcissist. So could you give us like the Cliffs Notes edition? What makes someone <laughs> a like what makes them a narcissist? How do you know if someone's a narcissist or not? Okay. Well, there's three core traits okay. required for narcissist, narcissistic personality disorder. So a lot of people say, oh, they're so narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean the person has a personality disorder. Okay. Maybe the person's confused when they say that. Uh-huh. Because you can have narcissistic traits. In fact, there's such a thing as healthy narcissism. Mm-hmm. It requires a lot of confidence and being an extrovert, really, to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And those are things that extroverted narcissists have. It's called grandiose narcissism. Mm-hmm. Um, but the traits that are required for our diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder are very specific and you only need five and you need three essential ones. Okay. And one of them is an excessive need for admiration. 
and so they'll see many people that are in the public eye, politics, or in entertainment field because they want all that attention. Oh. And yeah, so that, and then a sense of grandiosity. And what do you mean great. by that? Like, well, they think like, they're so great. Like better than other people? Not necessarily. That's another trait, arrogance. Oh, okay. <laughs> down on other people. But, uh, but what is important is that they have this self-importance. They just have an exaggerated sense of who they are, their achievements, their talents. They think they're you think of narcissism as a striving for perfection. Mm-hmm. A lot of narcissists think they're perfect and in every way. So they 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 may be bragging about themselves, boasting. Mm-hmm. So that need for admiration and that grandiosity, those are essential. Plus one more, which is a lack of empathy. Ooh. So they may understand emotions like intellectually but at a feeling level you know having empathy for you that's lacking and notice that starts with e so those are three and then they need two more traits okay and it might be a sense of entitlement that's another e oh that yeah that symptom is one that partners hate the most (laughs) <laughs> think that they're so special it's kind of specialness that they're above the law above rules that they're entitled to attention they're entitled to special treatment that's uh, so interesting that you say that because I felt like my abuser was one of those people who thought that no rules applied to him like rules applied to other people but not him yeah, exactly. And they may think like, you have to do X, Y, Z for me, but I don't have to do it for you. And they, with a straight face, somebody else would think it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But to a narcissist, it makes perfect sense because they're so special. They're so entitled. Yeah. So that's entitlement. That's another E. And then another E might be envy. They're very envious of people. Again, because they want to be the best. Yeah. And the greatest. And then they think other people are envying them all the time because they think they're so great. Another E, so this is the fourth E, is that they often exploit people or take advantage of other people, mm. their own personal agenda. It's interesting because when, when, when you're saying these, like, <laughs> I'm also thinking about like cult leaders have a lot of these <laughs> um, personality traits that you're naming. Absolutely. And then some other traits might be, I mentioned arrogance, Mm -hmm. or they think that um, they're so special that they should always, they can only be understood by other special people. And they like to hang around with high status people and go only go to the best school and the best restaurant and or drive the best car and sit at the best table, you know, and wear designer clothes. So it's all coming from this sense of how great they are. Now, this is not in the diagnostic code, but 
underneath all that is shame. Mm. As you can think of it, it's all compensation. So they need the attention to feel good and worthy because they don't. They need to think they're great because inside they don't. Mm-hmm. Now, their shame may be unconscious or there may be times or they feel humiliated easily. They're very sensitive to criticism. Thin skins. They can dish, but they can't take it. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the shame underneath. Mm-hmm. And then that's so they interesting. feel entitled because that compensates for the shame. They shouldn't have to wait in line. They're special. They're better. Yeah. Because underneath, they don't feel equal. I mean, being just equal to others was an insult. Because they're so much better. Well, because underneath, they feel they don't feel equal. Mm-hmm. They feel less than. Uh, but that, in some cases, it's unconscious. In some cases, it's not. Or it may be fleetingly, momentarily ill. So I did a an article on Donald Trump 2016, and I went through some of the symptoms of narcissism. Mm-hmm. And I, I was from things he wrote and things he said. And one of the things I was surprised to read that he was very surprised that a beauty and a model like Melania would be interested in him. So you might not think that from the way he acts, but, you know, there was a moment, I guess, where he disclosed his feelings of inadequacy. It was, so that's one reason that they want to be with someone who is beautiful or a woman narcissist might want to be with someone who's powerful who's famous, who's wealthy, all these things to make her feel better than how she really feels about her. Okay, so that's so interesting. So it, narcissism, the, the actual kind of disorder, it doesn't come from a place of that you feel so much better than everybody else. It's like you feel less than, and so it's almost like an overcompensation I would say the whole personality is like compensating for shame, just about, you know, a lot of the traits of codependency. uh, I go through all the traits in my book, Conquering Shame, and many of them are ways to cope with shame. Oh, also, (laughs) shame is really the core of addiction. It, It has a lot of negative side effects. Yeah. Now, not all, if you ask a narcissist, they might not you know, admit that. That's one reason they don't want to go to therapy or they won't take responsibility for anything because they can't accept that they're flawed. It's like they have to be so perfect mm-hmm. and that they can't, they would never make a mistake. They'll have to blame it on someone else. Even going so far as to be delusional and change reality. It's almost like they can't let one crack in the dam or the whole dam is going to break. You nailed it. Ha ha. I have a good teacher. (laughs) Well, you know, psychologists would call them fragile. Hmm. You think of them as like, think of a bully. Yeah. They scare other people. They're tough. 
but it's all like a front. Yeah. And like the the Wizard of Oz behind mm-hmm. the curtain, you know, or the Wicked Witch, speaking of Oz, the Wicked Witch mm-hmm. of the East, and then you throw water on her and she just dissolves. Yeah. So my book is all about turning that around so that you are not put down and disempowered and the narcissist is dominating you. Yeah, and so change that, the power dynamic in the relationship. So that was my next question for you because you um you dedicate two chapters to um the typical personality of people who love narcissists. Do those people tend to be codependent? Like what what are some patterns that you see there? Oh, that's definitely true. Uh, I also think that narcissists are codependent too, and I have a whole chapter going through the traits of codependency and showing how narcissists manifest them mm-hmm. and how codependents manifest them. And they might, their behavior might be different, but inside, in the, you know, in the inner world, it might be the same. For instance, they both maybe have problems with intimacy. Mm-hmm. But the codependent may look more like a pursuer of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And the narcissist may look like a distancer. They're afraid of intimacy. They withdraw because they have to be vulnerable yeah, and authentic. Okay? So, uh, but... If a codependent may not realize they have fears of intimacy, too, for some of the same reasons, but they're with someone who will keep a distance. So Mm -hmm. they're always hungering for that intimacy and thinking it's the other person. But they have issues with intimacy, too. Yeah. Also. Do do people that that tend to pick narcissists, do they tend to be like people pleasers? Well, they would have to, to make the relationship work. (laughs) The narcissist doesn't like no, doesn't want to hear no, but codependents usually can't say no. Mm -hmm. Narcissist likes to be first, the center, and codependents don't want to be in the first position. Uh They don't want all that attention. They want to give it to other people. So they both agree that the narcissist comes first. And the narcissist's shame and low self-esteem makes them look down on other people to raise themselves up. Mm. Well, the codependent has low self-esteem too. Shame is a core issue. So they accept these negative comments and think, well, maybe it's true. Mm-hmm. Narcissist says, oh, you're so selfish. No, you just think about yourself. Codependent would probably think, uh, it's probably true. I am selfish. Not realizing that it's projection, that the narcissist is the one that's selfish. Yeah, that's so interesting. Or the nar- the narcissists won't take any any responsibility. They blame, and guess what? Codependents take 
responsibility for other people's feelings and needs. They have, don't have boundaries. Yeah. Well, a narcissist doesn't have boundaries too, but here's the difference. A narcissist sees other people as an extension of themselves. They don't see that boundary where other people, they don't see other people clearly. Uh-huh. Well, the inverse is true of codependents. They have boundary problems. Uh-huh. They don't see themselves as separate. Yeah. They see other people more clearly than themselves. So it's just like a mirror opposite of each other. Yeah. And it's interesting that that you said that one of the um, you know, telltale traits of a narcissist is like um exploiting people because obviously a codependent they they kind of almost like need to be sort of like exploited, right? Like they need to give their everything to keep, to make someone happy, to kind of get rid of their own shame, right? Exactly. They self-sacrifice. Got it. Here's the dynamic in a nutshell. The narcissist feels safe by having power. Mm -hmm. Helps them deal with their insecurity and their shame. Mm-hmm. And they will sacrifice the relationship to get it. But a codependent prioritizes the relationship. They learned that if they can get somebody to accept them and, and love them, then they feel safe. Mm. They, can, they tr- try to do this by please. They think if I please the person, goes back to childhood, if I please mommy and daddy, I'm a good boy, a good girl, then I won't get in trouble Mm -hmm. and I'll be loved. So a codependent prioritizes the relationship and guess what? Sacrifices themselves. So the the narcissist will sacrifice the relationship and the codependent will sacrifice them. So it's almost like you're saying that a codependent person is so afraid of like being abandoned that they kind of like hold on to their relationship. And that just almost like gives the narcissist more power in the relationship. Exactly. And because abandonment is associated with shame too. Yeah. Many codependents feel shame just because they're single uh-huh. or if they're rejected, they feel that it's, because there's something wrong with him. But here's what they don't realize. Most narcissists have that feeling too. They don't want to be, they might reject you before you reject them. They don't want to be rejected. Oh and yeah, because they, they're, they're so fragile that they wouldn't be able to really accept the rejection. They will go on the attack because it's a humiliation to them. Mm-hmm. And they will try... Uh, usually, especially if there's a mirroring type. I mean, there's some narcissists that will just flip from one relationship to another and they don't want any commitment. They just want pleasure and conquest. But I don't think that's the majority of narcissists. Uh You know, there are a large percentage, maybe the majority, that want a relationship. They want steady sex. They want someone to meet their needs and take care of them. They want someone to be there to raise their children and, and create a home because so, they have a lot of needs. They want someone to take care of them. Mm-hmm. So 
<clears throat> the spouse is usually afraid to make waves. That's another thing they do. They give up themselves. They give up their power. They wave all their needs because they don't want to make waves. Mm-hmm. They want to go along to get along. Mm-hmm. They put the relationship first. But again, the narcissist doesn't care about getting along. They want to get ahead. <laughs> so they have different agendas going. They want to be on top. Yeah. They want to dominate. Because that's they what they deserve. Exactly. And that but but it's more than that. That what that's what keeps them safe. Oh yeah. If I'm if I'm in charge, then I'm safe. If uh-huh. I'm the if I'm the boss, then no one can fire me. Yeah. Right? Right. I do all the firing. Yeah. So who are you to tell me what to do? Exactly. You think you're going to leave me? You can't leave me. Mm-hmm. So the, what will they do? They'll say, nobody will want you. Yeah. Look how old you are, and you've lost all your good looks, and, you know, you're this or that. And they will put you down so that you'll think, I guess I'm stuck with this person cause, because the the codependent will absorb like a sponge because of their shame and low self-esteem. They'll just absorb all that negativity. Mm-hmm. And, and you the s- narcissist will dish it out. And they it's don't in- really want to leave. Yeah. And it's interesting. They don't want to be left. <clears throat> yeah. It's interesting because one of the chapters of your book, it explores if a narcissist is capable of love. Is this like a... Is it like, are no narcissists capable of love? Are certain narcissists capable of love? Like, what what have you found from your research? Well, first of all, I have to stress emphatically that narcissism exists on a continuum. Oh, okay. So there are narcissists that are capable of remorse and guilt, and they make care about care about the relationship and want it to work and you can explain to them why you need them to do certain things for you mm-hmm. and they can understand it if you explain it to them and they may make those changes for you mm-hmm. and whether or not they can actually feel what you're feeling empathy they may not be able to do that, but they can understand that it's important. Give an example. You're going to the hospital for an operation, or let's make it not so dramatic. <laughs> we like drama. We like drama. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe maybe the majority of narcissists would accompany their spouse to an, for an operation. But let's say something less significant that you're going to a doctor's appointment to discuss the operation Mm -hmm. and you would like your spouse to be there with you for support for another you know ear all those things and they think they're busy you know Mm -hmm. i got work to do Mm -hmm. you can go you don't need me and they won't naturally empathize the codependent would think of course i want to be there yeah. You know, we're a team. I love you and I want to support you. That wouldn't occur to the narcissist. Since why do you need me to be there? You know, but if you explain it to them, and if you even throw in some 
Andy, like, you're so intelligent. I would like you to hear what the doctor has to say. Mm-hmm. Then they'll then they'll really be motivated to go. Yeah. So <laughs> explain why you need them. You know, it makes me feel like we're a team. Mm-hmm. It's important to me to know that you're supporting me. And you explain these things to them. And then, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, then they'll go. Now, I said there's a continuum. There's other narcissists that, that won't be bothered, no matter what you say. Yeah. Oh, there's less hope in those kind of relationships. For in most cases, you can work with it and you can take back your power. You, you know, that's that. Steps. Yeah, that this is the first time I've ever heard about it. You know, narcissism being a continuum. I always just thought you were and you had all the traits and they were deep and that's the person that you were. But the fact that there that it is a continuum is like it all hope isn't lost. Like maybe your partner doesn't have like this huge sense of empathy, but they do have a desire to make you happy. That's right. And they, they, and here's the other thing about love. It's like, well, whose point of view are you talking about? Narcissists will say they love you and they love their children. They're convinced that they do. Ah. But whether you feel loved, that may be different for different. I mean, codependents are different too. Mm-hmm. Some people feel love when they get diamonds and furs. Okay, <laughs> some don't care. But some, some a woman that say she doesn't maybe doesn't care about that. She wants you to write her poetry. I just know? want you to take the damn trash out, like <laughs> <laughs> well, and mow the lawn and and. Kill spiders. <laughs> All right. Well, that's one way they did research. They couldn't figure out a way how to measure love, so they asked people, what makes you feel love? And what you said is key. When someone goes out of their way to meet your needs. Yeah. You know? Okay. So you have to explain that that's important. Mm-hmm. So getting back to the continuum, I want to clarify. Okay. Narcissism, you do need the five traits to be have NPD. Okay. But they might be, some people have all nine that are listed. Oh, wow. Went through many. So they may have all the traits. And then each trait could be mild or it could be, you know, very severe. Mm-hmm. So maybe sometimes, not all the time, or not as intense. And so that. It varies in how many traits and how extreme they are. And here's another thing to remember, that the more aggressive the narcissist is, the worse the narcissism. However, aggression is not one of the criteria. So there are narcissists who are not aggressive. Hmm, that's really interesting. Yeah, so... But if somebody is cutting up your clothes, yeah, problem. Things like that. I've had a client <laughs> who her husband cut up her dresses when he was angry at her. Oh my god! You know, you know not to mention you know physical abuse, mm-hmm. things like that. But so the more aggression, the more severe. Then it starts to the more if this person is breaking the law all the time. Mm-hmm. Someone might feel. Uh, 
I'm entitled to, you know, you to listen to me, even though I don't have to listen to you. But they might not feel like I'm entitled to break the law. Mm-hmm. So that's now. Now you're getting into sociopathy, a sociopath. And hey, no, if you're personality disorder, so that's if more you're, extreme. If you're a narcissist, can you be like a psychopath or a sociopath? Like, do those cross over, or can you only be one or the other? I've always wondered that. No, you can have overlap. Okay, you can have overlap. I've always, but they're different. So yeah. here's the thing: a narcissist is more manipulable than a sociopath because huh. they want that admiration. Oh, okay. So uh, a sociopath is more cold, you know, or a psychopath is more cold-blooded. They, if they want, they will even make themselves look weak to manipulate you. A narcissist won't do that. Mm. They, they nice. abhor looking weak. Yeah. So let's uh, say... It would be humiliating to them. Yeah. Let's say you're in a relationship with a narcissist and it is a safe relationship. There is not abuse going on. And you, it, your, your partner's on the continuum. They're, they're not being abusive to you. You feel like they love you. You love them. There's obviously an imbalance in that relationship. So you have two chapters of your book about changing the balance of power. So how how does someone do that if they're in a relationship with a narcissist? Well, I need to clarify something. Okay. So when I say there's abuse, it's not aggressive. Mm -hmm. So withholding can be abusive. Like stonewalling. Not going to. Well, or just withholding money or withholding attention or ignoring you. Mm -hmm. So, So there's a lot of ways to be abusive you know, or just being dismissive mm-hmm. it might not be aggressive uh, and then there's I, I have a, a huge section of the book is like identifying subtle forms of abuse blaming you is not aggressive shaming you uh, criticism mm-hmm. you think of it as abuse but you may not think of it as aggression Oh. So there's levels. Maybe someone would argue with that, but you could think of it as on a, a continuum. We got a lot of continuums you. going on. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, abuse is a range. Yeah. You know, emotional abuse never used to be considered uh, illegal or mm-hmm. unlawful, I should say. But now it's in some states, it's considered part of domestic violence, emotional mm-hmm. abuse. Mm-hmm. But it has to come to up to a certain level, you know, to be something that you could be arrested for. Mm-hmm. It has to be of a certain uh, extreme. Mm-hmm. So there's, of course, everything is kind of on a continuum. <laughs> so it's codependency. Uh-huh. Some codependents can't identify their feelings, and some codependents can identify their feelings. Wow. So that would be really difficult if you are a codependent who can't identify your feelings and you're in a relationship with a narcissist because that's just like a recipe for that narcissist to really exploit you that's right because your feelings are your guide to setting boundaries and uh, some codependents feel ashamed of 
their anger or mm-hmm. their anger with shame so they don't have access to their anger. Other codependents mm-hmm. will fight back mm-hmm. and they're not afraid of expressing their anger. So that's good. So as some codependents have been independent. You know, and some like I'm a, a codependent in recovery and I traveled when I was um, in college. I traveled to Europe a couple times by myself. So I, some codependents would never do that. Mm-hmm. They never go without without someone or with a group. So people have different levels of autonomy, and 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 it's not one size fits all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mistake to do that to to lump yourself into a category. There's all different shades of of uh, whatever the you know diagnosis is or the. But you asked me about how do you what was your saying what it was the question how do you make changes how do you, or yeah how do you balance the control in those kind of relationships if you're the well, one in the relationship yeah. with the narcissist well that's what the whole book is about and mm-hmm. there's like uh, steps and exercises to do that and. You know, the first thing is getting awareness. That's why there's, I go into a lot of detail, understanding not just the symptoms. Yeah. Because people can list the symptoms. You have to understand the motivation and why they are the way they are at a deep level, because you really need to understand what makes them tick. Uh huh. I, time and time again, I work with people. And they'll say, like, I do so much for my wife. You know, I give her this and I take care of that. And I ask her for one thing. And she's so selfish. And she just, she won't do it. Mm-hmm. It's this one thing. Well, they're not understanding a narcissist. Mm-hmm. It's not about equality to them. Mm-hmm. They will do it when it makes sense for them to do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I love so that in the example. I love that in the book you even provide you know readers with scripts <laughs> that they can practice you know bef- before they talk to their narcissist um, partner. That's really awesome that you do that. Yeah, and when you understand, yeah, so they'll know how to how to word things. But when you understand that they feel unsafe and insecure, it's very important so you're not intimidated by their mm-hmm. words and their attitude. Mm-hmm. And also, when they typically, narcissists are antagonistic. Mm-hmm. They don't, even if they're not aggressive, they like to stir the pot. Why? It gives them an opportunity to assert their power. Oh, they want, they would like to provoke an argument Uh because then they can win it (laughs) (laughs) and they have a chance to put you, if they don't, and they never want to take responsibility again because of their shame. Yeah. You have to understand that. So when you argue with them, you're feeding their power. Mm. They're not interested in the facts. And, you know, people, they say, and, you know, he, he wouldn't even admit that blah, 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 or that I, we had this conversation or that he actually did it. And 
you know, and, he, and, and they argue. The arguing gives away your power. Mm-hmm. Because that's, they want, it's like asking the narcissist to approve of you. Got if it. they blame you for something and then you're trying to, which is, maybe it's just ridiculous what they're accusing you of. Yeah. And you, you get into trying to justify, defend, and argue with them. Are you going to run in circles? Well, not only that, (laughs) you'll get all you'll confuse you. They'll talk you (laughs) in circles. Yeah. But the the real problem is by discussing it with them, you're giving them power. Mm -hmm. You're saying you have to approve of me. Mm -hmm. Won't you approve of me? Don't you see I'm innocent? Mm -hmm. I didn't do that. It's like talking to a parent. Don't. Criticize. Don't punish me because I'm innocent. You have to be- understand what's going on. Yeah. So, for instance, a nar- you talked about exploiting. So a narcissist will exploit as long as you allow them to. Mm-hmm. And you can reason to them and point out how they're exploiting you and how they won't take responsibility and how you how much you give them. And look at how much they're taking. You could do that till you're blue in the face, but you're wasting your breath. They're going to continue to do it until you say no. (laughs) It's like saying, don't call me. It's like someone saying, don't call me. And the person calls and you say, I told you not to call me. And they call back and say, I told you not to call me. But every time you answer the phone, you're, you're giving them what they want. So that leads perfectly into another question that I wanted to ask you that you address in your book about why is it so hard to leave a narcissist? Like, why are they so good at sucking you back in or getting you to participate in the exact thing that you were just talking about? about when you say, I'm done, I don't want to talk to you anymore. They are just so good at re-engaging. And you have to really know what's going on. So the first, you talk about how do you change, you have to really understand it at a gut level of really what you're dealing with. That's the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it means accepting reality. Mm -hmm. So one of the answers to your question is denial. Mm -hmm. Because they don't realize who they're dealing with. And they keep hoping that it's going to go back to the dating phase when it was all romance. Maybe they were love-bombed or something and everything was so loving and romantic. And as the narcissist was trying to get you to love them so that they would feel admired and not feel worthless. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get you to love them. Once you're committed, they don't have to do that anymore. You're committed. You're hooked. Mm-hmm. But partner, still thinking that this is going to continue. All this generosity, compliments, loving, whatever mm-hmm. they did to win you. You expect that's what the relationship is going to be about. No. That's <laughs> wow. what it was. That was the conquest, the con- part of the conquest. Okay, so then that took a lot of energy from the mm-hmm. narcissist. 
They don't want to work that hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they got you. So then the devaluing starts for a number of reasons, but they start nitpicking away. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons is has to do with intimacy, keep you at a distance, and so they're on top. Mm-hmm. So they work to get you, and now they have to dominate. They want to be on top. So, and then I guess in their mind they think this is what's going to keep you around. But all it does is help destroy the relationship. And when they start finding imperfections in you, because again, because of their own shame, they will find fault with you. They externalize their shame onto you. Mm-hmm. And the, here's another way the the relationship works. And the codependent shame, they idealize other people. They look up to the narcissist. They think they're not enough, but the narcissist is so you know charismatic and handsome or wealthy or powerful or funny or whatever, smart, whatever the traits are that they idealize. They look at that and then they ignore the abuse and the other things and they rationalize it with denial. Mm-hmm. Well, he had a rough childhood or she doesn't mean it uh, or, you know, I can take it. I know that, you know, he loves me or she loves me. And they start rationalizing and excusing and minimizing. And the other thing they do is they hope that this amiable, romantic partner is going to come back. And mm-hmm. once in a while they do. Mm-hmm. So they give them, you know, crumbs. And it's kind of like playing the slot machine. It gets a <laughs> Once in a while you hit the jackpot. And then you get all, you know, you get nothing for a while. And you stay and you stay and you keep playing and giving money and money. And then eventually you hit the jackpot again. Mm-hmm. And then, but you can go bankrupt doing that. And you can go bankrupt in a relationship. Because you keep giving and hoping and, uh, you know, trying to meet all the demands of the narcissist. And there are a lot. They may want you to change who you are and be a perfect chef and give them all this attention and uh, whatever it is they want. And you keep trying to meet their needs, but you don't realize it's a bottomless pit. Yeah. You know, the narcissistic supply, there's an endless amount of supply they need. And then you keep lo- you lose yourself. So it gets harder to leave because the denial, and now you've lost your autonomy. Your self-esteem is in the pits because you have all this criticism going on. And you become more and more addicted to this. And you start giving up more of yourself and your friends, and your hobbies. The narcissist wants your attention. They're so needy, and you keep trying to please them. And then you're bankrupt like that gambler. And guess what? Research show that it's addictive. It's called intermittent reinforcement. Is that like Pavlov's dogs? Well, sort of. It's like training, but they did this study with intermittent reinforcement was with rats. And they give them a reward, and they found that if they gave them the reward all the time, that they would keep pressing the lever. But the rats would even 
keep pressing it when the reward stopped. Oh. So even when he stopped getting the, any of the good good parts of the relationship, you keep trying anyway. You keep hoping. Yeah. The dog, you're thinking of learned helplessness, which is oh. another <laughs> experiment where these dogs would get like uh, a shock. Mm-hmm. And then they would give up. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't even go get the food when there was no more shock. Oh. So they they learn. So that's another thing that can happen. You have learned helplessness where you feel so powerless in the relationship, and then you kind of give up. Yeah. You don't try anymore. Yeah. Since we sometimes that happens in childhood too. Mm-hmm. Since we've already talked about the Wizard of Oz, I think that we have to talk about the narcissist flying monkeys. Like what? What what the heck are is that all about? Sounds like you've done your research. <laughs> I told you I'm a very good teacher. Her name's Darlene. Okay. <laughs> so flying monkeys are like in the, the Oz uh, story. The the wicked witch had these monkeys that would go around and do her dirty work mm-hmm. for her. So a lot of times these are the friends or relatives uh, that still look up to the narcissist and believe the lies and everything. And they may, when you try to leave, they may, the narcissist may spread all these lies about you and try to assassinate your character and tell their version of what happened in the marriage. And then... Uh, you try to get other people to do their dirty work and, you know, tell you what you should do or not do from the, they're, in other words, they're kind of like brainwashed. Another way to put it is they're just brainwashed by the, the narcissist and they'll do their bidding mm-hmm. or they, they want the attention. See the people that are around a celebrity or a political figure that's a narcissist and they, will do anything to please them, and they'll do their bidding uh, because maybe they get some advantage yeah. or because they've been brainwashed or they're just weak in their own codependency. Yeah. So they, that's a flying monkey. Yeah. And well, I tell you how to deal with them in the book. Yeah. Well, your book sounds absolutely awesome, and the reviews are just, so, so, so good. One person said that you've created a must-have manual for those who suffer from the nasty habit of getting into bed with a narcissist. The book will enlighten you about the subtle and seductive methods that have been used to reel you in and will provide you with the concrete steps to make you narcissist-proof moving forward. I loved that. Uh (laughs) I thought that was excellent. So thank you so much. I have, I've, I've learned a ton, especially the whole continuum thing. And you have so much more to even teach us. So make sure that you come back so we can talk some more. I would love to. Thank you. And uh, please, uh, your listeners, I can tell them to go to my website, whatiscodependency.com, because there's a ton of blogs and information Uh about narcissists and other workbooks that can be supportive. I have something called the Narcissist Quit Kit, 
Oh, <laughs> I like yeah. that. So I put I, it together before I wrote this book, but um, there's other uh, eBooks in there and uh, audio files that can help you to prepare yourself to leave because you have to raise your self-esteem. Yeah. You have to learn to be assertive. Mm-hmm. You have to start healing yourself. And then, you know what? You'll feel so happy. You won't even need the relationship anymore. The narcissist might not even bother you. Because mm-hmm. you'll yeah. be, you're, as I said, you're responsible for your own happiness and your unhappiness. Mm-hmm. And when that power starts shifting, the narcissist will just be like putty in your hand. <laughs> because yeah. they may want to leave. Yeah. You're not feeding their supply anymore. Exactly. Well, I'll make sure that I um, put a link in the show notes to all to your blog and to that website and to um, your book so that everybody can read it and they can do the workbook sections and we can, you know, get we can get away from our narcissist. Well, thank you. <laughs> or improve the relationship. Either way, you got it covered. That's right. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you so much, Darlene. Thank you. Thank you again to Darlene Lancer for being on the show. If you are interested in any of the excellent resources that Darlene has created, please check out the show notes for links to those resources. They're really great. So make sure you give it a couple clicks. If you are in an unsafe or abusive relationship, there is free help available. Please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Again, that number is 1-800-799-7233.